That's all we need in our lives is that one person that believes in what we're doing, right? That one person that says, I hear you, I see you, and I also want to support you. Mental health and addiction are largely misunderstood. We often struggle in silence, but there is hope for a better life. I'm Trevor Steinhauser, and this is Stigmatized. Today we are with one of the most positive and passionate people that I know. So first, Kendra Ramirez, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you, Trevor. Uh, there's you know, some people that you just you only have to meet once, and it's just the energy and positivity and passion flows through, and you're certainly um, one of those. So uh, I appreciate you coming and spending some some time with me today. I was so pumped because we booked this months ago. I know. So before I, everything yes. crazy happened. Yes. So it, it yeah. worked out. It mm-hmm. worked out great. Yeah. So you started and own your own digital marketing agency. You started what has become a movement, uh, but a passion project for you called Reset, which we'll talk all about. You speak all over the place, uh, not just about marketing and your agency and stuff, but uh, you crusade for those who have lost their way, lost their passion and zest for life and searching for a new start. And you're just amazing at that. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about all those things. But the bright and shiny and super Kendra that we all know and love was reborn a few years ago, a number of years ago. Uh, and you called your way out of a dark spot and struggled with your mental health. Uh, so I want to hear about that too. So like we do, let's just turn back the clock chronologically, just go through from childhood. We'll talk about everything in between. Yeah. Yeah. I love the introduction. So thank you so Absolutely. much. And I'm so glad that you got to kind of experience Reset with us in January. Oh, yeah. And Amazing. and you're so right. So many people look at me like, gosh, Kendra, you're so positive and you're full of life and energy. And let me tell you, this is a long struggle to get here. It was a crawl, not even a walk, not even a run. It was a crawl to get here. And so I'm always happy to share you know, my story um, in hopes that it gives someone else like a glimmer of hope for themselves like gosh if she can get through that I can too and so talking about like growing up um, I was in a family like my dad suffered from PTSD so mental health has been in my life from day one and um, watching him go through that was super hard I have middle child syndrome (laughs) so I have like an older sister that was very rebellious and caused a lot of you know concern in our family. And then I have a younger brother um, who was a drug addict. And so as a middle child, I was a people pleaser. And so people viewed me as the good kid. And give me air quotes here. Right. But the problem is I lived in fear. I was a good kid because I was fearful. I was watching everything go around. And so I was just like, oh, my gosh. So I didn't speak up. I didn't, you know, I just kind of was afraid to take risk. I was afraid to, you know, speak how I felt. And and let's just be honest, back when I was growing up, nobody spoke about how they felt. Right. It just wasn't, it wasn't appropriate. Like it just wasn't a thing. And nobody knew, I mean, knew about it, mm-hmm. what to say and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So was it talked about? I mean, since your dad was going through his own struggles or was he working on that on his own and it was, you kind of just watched? 
Yeah, you know, I wish we could say that we talked about it. And and he's a Vietnam vet, you know, okay. rightfully so. So that's sure. obviously where everything came from. And so you didn't talk about it at all. Like it was, you don't talk about it. You don't ask dad questions about it. You don't. And so like it was just just a kind of a shell, right? Like it was, you know, that not that opportunity to, to talk about it. But Even you could though, tell that he was hurting. Yeah. Oh, very much. Very much. Absolutely. And still to this day, he struggles to talk about it because, you know, the fact of going and getting any kind of counseling or therapy, he was raised on a farm. So that wasn't that wasn't a thing. And growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So we couldn't afford that kind of counseling, you know, back then. And so you just kind of did the best that you, you could. And like, so I put myself in counseling once I got into college because you could go get it for free. Right. Like, I don't ever remember high school having any kind of counselors. They were more career counselors. Yeah. They didn't have like, hey, go talk to, you know. So once I was in college and knew I had those resources for free, I was just like, you know, like, sign me up. Sign me up. Yeah. Because I was like, this is not right. You know, all the things that I was experiencing, just anxiety and depression and just fearfulness of just standing in my own truth of who I I am in the world. And I try to be everybody else because I try to just fit in and right. just all those things. And so luckily, because of watching everything happen in our family, um, you know, I didn't fall into the illegal substances that right. were happening and watching. But I used food because food was legal. Right. And so I, I used that as a numbing mechanism. And so, um, so you know, going through that, and I'm so freaking proud of my brother. He's been sober for 16 years. Amazing. And like, that doesn't happen. I mean, right. you know, what right? 16 Absolutely. years. I'm so freaking proud of him. And, you know, same thing with my sister, able to turn her life around. She even went in and studied social work. And became a um, a master social worker to work with other kids because that's what you know happened to her. So being able to do that, and so it's so cool to watch both of them like come out, you know, of of those situ- situations. Right. And you know, our family we loved each other. It just wasn't vocalized. Like you didn't say I love you. You didn't hug. You didn't. And so like I'm a huge hugger. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I made sure like you know like every day my son hears the words I love you and is hugged like you know in the morning and at night and like i'm probably over the top sure and even my son says he's like oh mom he's like do you have to be so freaking positive right (laughs) you know and like he you know he gets it uh so it's just funny he's 18 now so it's really fun to have those conversations with him right yeah Mm -hmm. and my dad was in vietnam he was a medic and true words were never spoken as you just don't talk about it i mean we went to the Vietnam Memorial up in Washington, D.C. One of the first times I was in sixth grade that I saw him cry, but never, he never opened up about it, never talked about it. And so even though he may have not had any outwardly evident effects of PTSD or trauma, I know it was in there somewhere, you know, but it just, some people, it manifests itself very aggressively and mm-hmm. some people see some things you know but it's just it, it's a the, the do not talk about it mentality of what a soldier goes through is just it's real mm-hmm. it's real stuff you know and, and it's it's so interesting that all three of you were it seemed like three different souls three different your your siblings very much um but all went through 
similar stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just the way, the way it, it happens to certain people. Like you were the, in my middle child is that way. She is a people pleaser, (laughs) quiet, sweet, but will just wants to go with the flow and be in the group and not ruffle any feathers, Yes, you know, and looking back, uh, my sister was like that a little bit too. So that a middle, that's also a thing. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. a real, it, it is. Yeah. A, a I'm a recovering thing. people pleaser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, talking about that right there, I mean, being able to say no mm-hmm. to people when you're asked to do something like I always said yes. And then I would disappoint people because I wouldn't show. Yes. I wouldn't, I didn't have the, like talk, standing in your own truth, always, uh, always said yes. Even though I knew the moment they asked me, I wasn't going to do it, mm-hmm. but I would skirt my way out cowardly. But it, it's like an, it's an overwhelming feeling in your body that I, if I say no, they're never going to ask me to do anything ever again. Right. You know? Right. So the, the people pleasing is a thing. And once you can get past that and be confident in yourself that, you know, not wasting time or doing things I don't need to be doing, it is a liberating feeling, but it is. A crawl. Yeah, it's a very grind much. Yep. To get there. Okay, so so college, you went and saw a counselor. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was it was great just to have someone you know listen and validate you know you know having validation and allowing just to love myself because I really struggled in loving loving myself because I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't have a place to. Um, have that mirrored to me. Like I didn't know what that, you know, looked like. And so it showed up in my relationships, right? Of if I didn't love myself, I had a really just terrible self-esteem. So I was friends with everyone. That was definitely in my nature. But I, you know, didn't let a lot of people in. You know, I wouldn't have those conversations. And so, you know, being able to just experience that was so just helpful to have a place to go and get some guidance and, you know, be able to just, you know, just talk. Right. Did your symptoms lift a little bit when you started doing that? Yeah. You know, so it was definitely, um, you know, anxiety and depression, you know, for sure. And, you know, my family, we all laugh about it now. And we're openly talking about like, you know, depression and anxiety. And, you know, several years ago, we we're like, hey, can we get a, a family discount on depression meds? <laughs> you know, because yeah. like all of us, Tell our me whole family, it. I mean, right. you know, we're we're struggling. And and so like, you know, it's, we that's our that's our love language is humor. So we use a lot of we always say in our family, like if we're not making fun of you we don't like you <laughs> right in, in genes you want to talk about the, the biggest marker of them all is genetics yes yes and, and it's it's a fascinating thing but it is truly 75 percent of, of what happens uh you know your genetics are, are a huge part of it so mm-hmm. i think a lot of families you, you know that i've talked to it's in there mm-hmm. oh, somewhere definitely. i mean if if not several at least somebody in the you know immediate family has similar struggles so mm-hmm. to go through it together now as your 18 year old do you think that being open about mental health mm-hmm. and anxiety depression and struggle has helped him absolutely we have 
the most just open relationship. I mean, we talk a, a lot about, you know, everything because his dad and I are divorced and I'm super grateful. Like his dad and I get along really well. We co-parent really well. Um, but that was a choice. It was a choice that I made after the divorce. Um, it was not an easy choice, but it was one that I knew was best for our family. And um, so that's been such a great thing to be able to openly co-parent in that way, in a positive way. And so um, being very open, you know, with my son about, you know, what it feels like to have anxiety or what it feels like to have depression or um, have being compassionate, you know, for other people and how they're feeling. And it's just so neat to be able to watch him have conversations with his friends or even um he has uh, siblings in um, his dad's you know, side of the family. And um, just recently, his brother was over at the house. They had stopped through to uh, pick something at the house on their way to a, a dinner. And, and it was just so sweet just watching them together. Um, like he was fixing his you know, little brother's hair. And, just, and it's just um, so sweet to like watch you know, how he shows up. And he's not afraid to cry. He's not afraid to you know, talk about how he's feeling. Um, so amazing. And, and it's such and I'm like, why the heck are we not teaching this in school? Do you know how different um, a lot of kids would be if we were taught this stuff in school? Um, and that's one of the things that I'm super passionate about. Like, why isn't this available to more people? It shouldn't be just the privileged. It should be right? to everybody. To everyone. Right. And so that's, you know, another passion of mine, especially with Reset. We make things very, very affordable because we want, you know, more people to be able to have, you know, these um, exercises and tools at their fingertips. Yeah. And. I, I talk about this very often, but it's to grow up now is way different than it was when we were little. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there were you didn't have immediate feedback through social media and getting bullied and let everybody know. You know, we used to have to wait a few days to find out if somebody wasn't invited to a party or something like that. Now it's just right. it's instant. So. The, the mental health in, in schools and behavioral health is it's getting better. It's, talk about a crawl. Yes. But it is, it, I'm hearing about, you know, counselors being in the schools now alongside guidance counselors and things like that. So that's huge, but it needs to go elementary. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and this is, we're just talking about being a good human being. Right. And like you say, compassion and kindness and um, letting uh, letting kids see struggle that don't grow, you know, don't have any really, you know, and that is on the parents to talk about the fact that life is not going to be rosy mm-hmm. all the time. Right. You know, quite often it's not. So, uh, but that's great that you've been able to do it. And, you know, you went through that, whether it's for a reason or not, but your son is now a example of what you were able to teach him based on your experience. Yes, absolutely. And the fact that he's taking to it and and acting the way he's acting and behaving the way he's behaving, it's just huge because he's going to help so many. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, and being able to voice your opinion in a, in a positive way and stand up for people and, you know, mm-hmm. stop bullying and things. That's one thing I preach to my kids is you see somebody getting bullied you have got to stand up for them. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are or tell a teacher, mm-hmm. you know, right. because it's bullying is I, I have no time for bullies. That's the, the one probably the overarching thing for me that I can't stand is somebody that picks on somebody that can't 
fend for themselves. Yeah. You know? And and you know where it's coming from, right? Kids don't understand it, but we as adults know, right? It's their own mental health, right? They they feel terrible about themselves, so therefore, you know, they want to make everyone else around them, you know, feel terrible. And, you know, what if we stopped as a society and instead of um, pushing those people away, pull them in, right? Like, that's the that's the thing. They're, they're lost. And it's not reserved for kids. No, gosh, no. I mean, adults are just as mean, you yes. know, and it's sad. But, I mean, you, you see some of this, you know, like my son just started, uh, six-year-old just started his first baseball team. And I think about these videos that I've seen of these fights Mm-hmm. at Little League Baseball. And I'm like, am I going to see some of this stuff? Because some of the ones you see on, on the, the the news that come through, I mean, it's full-on brawl mm-hmm. at a t-ball game. Right. You know? So, I mean, we, we've got we got some serious work to do. but Definitely. Okay. So coming out of the college experience, getting your – seeing a counselor, where did life take you then? Yeah, so you know, winding road. Um, got my first job out of college. Uh, lived in Louisville and um, got promoted very quickly. And within nine months of you know working the organization, and and got sent to Cincinnati. And um, and so I took that opportunity. I was like, hey, I'm young. Let's you know, let's explore. I had never been to Cincinnati. I had no friends up here. And the first three months were awful. I cried every day. I was like, what have I done? Um, because of being an extrovert, because of um, very much, you know, love being around people, meeting new people, they, they, they're like, I, I'm good. I got my friends because I grew up with them. I don't need an, an, another friend, right? And Especially so, a transplant. Oh, my gosh. That was brutal. It was so brutal. Um, but I'm so glad I, you know, pushed through that. And um, because I love, love, this is my community now. I've been here since 97. So this is my community and I adore it. But those first three months, so I have a heart for transplants. When when I get someone sends me a connection, I'm like, hey, someone told me to reach out to you. I'm new to Cincinnati. I'm like, I got you. Right. <laughs> I yeah. got you. I'm going to plug you into my network of people. I got you because I know what it's like, you know, coming in. And it's, you know, just, it's a really, really hard I'm an outsider coming in when, and I get it. Like, I'm almost jealous a little bit of, the special relationships, you know, people that you know grew up in Cincinnati that they've had, like, you know, best friends since their kindergarten or first grade or elementary, like that's really special. Um, and so, but being able to recreate, you know, new, new friendships has also been really special. At, so I'm one of those people. <laughs> so I am born, raised, I still live in the town that I was raised in. It's also a double-edged sword, not being able to go out and get new friendships naturally Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you got your peeps and it's comfortable and you're in a bubble. And so as much as you said that, you know, there's some jealousy of of being able to see that, I think everybody should have to go through, you know, being uncomfortable early and and doing something like that, whether it's going out of town or not, I don't know. But the the whole uh, working for, um, you know, going out and getting your butt kicked, having to meet new people, it helps shape you mm-hmm. because you know when everything's always there for you especially friends and you know it it hurts you socially right so it's definitely a catch-22 when it comes to stuff like that um okay so you're in you're in cincinnati let's let's keep on going through yeah so um just you know working through 
you know, that and it's one of the things for for me because of the the need to perform and the need to people please and that, you know, underlying anxiety made me very successful in my career. I worked my hiney off. Um, I would easily put in over 80 hours a week, you know, all the time. I threw myself in into to work because it fed all of those things, right? The performer and the performance and achievement, you know, that I didn't get growing up. So I was like, ooh. And so you get addicted, you know, to that feeling as well, which is unhealthy. Um, so very much a workaholic. And I'll never, ever forget I get laid off in an organization, and we had gone through several several rounds of layoffs. And you know, each month there was boxes being brought out and letting people go. And I'm like, I'm not going to get touched. I'm like one of the top three sales reps. I had sold 14 million dollars. I'm like, they're not going to touch me. I come back from um, having my son, and here's my box, and I was devastated. Oh, I was so devastated. And, you know, luckily, older sister that has social work and masters in social work, I call her and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this just happened. Like, I just have felt like my whole world. I'm like, I, I pretty much sold my soul to that organization. And she's like, you're not going to like my answer. She's like, I'm glad it happened. I was like, oh. right. yeah. <laughs> you're my sister. I can't believe you're, <laughs> you're saying that. And she's like, no, here's why. You worked way too many hours. And you pretty much were just so like, you know, work, work, workaholic, you just threw yourself in. And like, that's not, you know, not a healthy place. And so thank God, I, you know, got another job within two weeks. And it was even better job in a bigger company and bigger responsibility. But I learned my lesson then, you know, it's like, okay, this is not healthy either, right? Like, we just keep going to unhealthy places, right? Right. Um, And so sometimes, you know, like, I need the smack in the head (laughs) to learn versus those little whispers that you're like, I probably shouldn't be working like this. Um, and, so and hearing it, was, it from somebody else. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, learning, you know, from that experience and it was great because then I was able to start really putting some boundaries in place and realizing that I do need to like live my life, like not live it for work, not live it for performance, but actually just live a, a life and be able to enjoy and be with others and have purpose beyond my work. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you continue with that place? Yeah. So I was um, the last corporate job I had um, was 14 years ago, and uh, I ended up leaving that organization due to a very uh, talk about corporate bully. Oh my! This gentleman was oh, it was one person. Yes, he was brutal, and he was my direct boss, and he was head over a whole region, and he just would rip you in front of others, and just very demeaning. And you know, I told him, I was like, that doesn't motivate me. Like, I you know had an open conversation. I was like, um, actually, it makes me just want to pack up my stuff and go home. And and I knew having that conversation with him put my job in jeopardy. And sure enough, two weeks later, I got let go. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this guy's got to have some dirt on somebody because everyone felt it wasn't just me. It was multiple people felt that way. And again, it was a blessing. It was a blessing because I had already been toying with the idea of starting a digital company. And again, this was 14 years ago. I I took my business plan to three different business coaches and all three of them said not to do it, that digital was a fad. Really? (laughs) 
Uh, it's 2020 people and digital is not a fad. And so like I I tell entrepreneurs all the time or want to be entrepreneurs, like you got to trust your gut. You got to listen to yourself. And if it's your passion, go for it. Right. You've got to go for it because these three people just it was their own um, fears about technology that they were projecting on me. It wasn't necessarily that they didn't believe in, you know, digital, but they didn't know how else to word it other than, oh, that's a fad. You can't build a business out of it. And so I'm so, so glad, so glad that I didn't listen. And I was like, I think you're really wrong. Like I, every fiber of my being was saying, this is the next big thing because I love technology. And so I love to learn. I'm always, you know, playing with different things and learning new softwares. And I just love it. And so I'm so glad, you know, I was like, nope, I'm not going to listen to you and do it anyway. So you went to, so after the first and second meeting, were you starting to doubt yourself at all, thinking that could they be right? Or did, were you steadfast the whole time that I'm going to, I'm going to do this one yeah. way or another? Yeah, it was, um, it, I look back now and it clearly was faith. It really was because, I mean, I'm in the middle, you know, of a divorce and depression and starting a business like that's not a good mix but it was the the it was the light for me like in that moment i was like this is what i'm supposed to be doing like i love it i love you know the aha moments with people as we're working through it and um and it just gave me something to really focus on as i was going you know through you know depression and, and divorce okay so when did the so who starts a business in the middle of all that oh i did well <laughs> Look at you now. <laughs> um, so when did the depression creep back in? Yeah, it got really, really bad when I got married. Really bad. Um, and it was just a super dark period, I want to say, for about seven years. And anyone that's ever suffered with depression, it's very isolating. Um, that's where its power comes from, depression, right? The more you feed it the isolation that it wants, and the more you give into it, the more powerful it becomes. And didn't know that at the time, right? Um, I was a shell of a human being. I literally just would go through the day. And, you know, wake up, go to work, take care, you know, of my son, do what I need to do as as a mom, do the best that, you know, I could do and wake up and do it again. And that was it. Like there wasn't anything outside of that. I didn't spend time with friends. I just really isolated, you know, my myself throughout that period. Now, during the days, would you fake it till you make it? Absolutely. Put a smile on and try and be the the Mm -hmm. bubbly person that is there. It was just superficial. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like in Reset on January, our last event, um, a lady knew me back then and she grabbed me at the, the end of event and she goes, I am a terrible friend. She goes, I had no idea no idea you were experiencing that. And I said, I was like, you're not a terrible friend. I wasn't about to let anybody know I was suffering. And you can't see it. Right. Well, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I was like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be happy? Like, um, and, and just that swirl that you get into and that, you know, the spiraling that happens, you know, the, the things that, you know, you would tell yourself of, you know, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve happiness. I don't deserve, you know, these amazing things in my life. And so like it plays out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what you just said that you feed it. Mm-hmm. The more you feed it, the isolation. I've never really thought about it that way, but it's so true. Um, because that's what you do is mm-hmm. you just sit around and you wallow. Mm-hmm. And it's a real thing, man. I mean, 
you know, you, you hear the the people in your ear saying, just get up, dust yourself off and give me a freaking break. Mm-hmm. And it's just not that mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. But in that statement, are you saying that you, you need to, as you push through that, those feelings that you need to just look for, you know, even if it's uncomfortable, not feed it that, you know, get, get up mm-hmm. off your butt and go out and, and do what you need to do to, to squash those feelings? Yeah. So, you know, I um, got myself back into counseling during all that time. And uh, again, I, I, I didn't get what I really needed at that time. I just got a, a dumping ground to speak to someone. Um, so it was, it was okay, you know, at the time, but it didn't move the needle for me. Um, and because I had pushed out all my friendships, it was just a place to go talk. And so it really, you know, didn't start moving the needle for me. And then once I um, just said, I really just surrendered. I, I'll never forget it. And we'd had a really big fight and it was right you know, before you know, our divorce. And I drove myself to a church parking lot and I just am sobbing and sobbing. I can't breathe. I'm sobbing so hard. And I was like, I'm done. I surrender. I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. And so it was like from that period, I could like let go and, and just give it over. Right. Like, because I'm, I'm white knuckling life at that point. Totally white knuckling life. Right. And so having that surrender moment was massive for me. And then I got myself out of that point and just into church. And so when you say surrender, just help show me the way. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to grind this out anymore. I can't grind this out anymore by myself. And so... So I said, all right, if I get outside myself and I start volunteering and I start serving and I get involved in church because I had stepped away from church. And um, so once I got outside of myself and started serving, um, I went to a little small group inside of my uh, inside my church, complete strangers, because it was safer for me to just talk openly with strangers. I know that sounds crazy, but it was super safe for me. And they loved me like I hadn't been loved in so long. So long. And so getting a little taste of that and knowing that I could be loved and I did earn it and I was worth it, you know, um, that I could have that it was so life giving. And so like I, you know, the divorce and depression, all that, that was 14 years ago. And so like I haven't been on any depression meds in over 12 years. Which is Bless all you. grace by God, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. And, and that's where, you know, my passion is and telling my story to give others hope is I had to get outside of myself. And I also had to get out of the toxic thoughts. I'm really um, not nice to myself. Like I say very negative things to myself. My inner critic is very loud. And um, so I have to work on, you know, n- acknowledging her and asking her, like, what do you need? Because clearly it's, you know, like that inner voice is like that little three-year-old that wants to just keep pulling on your shorts saying, daddy, daddy, or mommy, mommy. They just need attention. So you're like, okay, what are you not getting right now that you need? Because you're being really loud and you're distracting me from my joy that I normally have and my gratitude that I have. And so like clearly there's something you need. And sometimes... It's I haven't done a good job of resting or I haven't done a good job of um, being mindful of, you know, my you know, own you know, practices. And so that's really where all this mindset work started, you know, from getting through, you know, those things and just throwing myself ahead in the deep end with the mindset stuff. And that's where things really started unlocking for me. So that church parking lot, did it 
not take long for you to get into those groups? And then Mm -hmm. at that point, had you already started your agency or had you yet to do that? Yeah, it was um, the beginning. Let's see. Yeah. So I want to say I was probably five months in maybe at that point um, with the, you know, the the agency work. And um, and remember, as you know, feeding off the performance, that work fed me. It, you know, in a in a positive you know way, so I was able to be fully present in those early days. Um, it was just the at home at night was the worst, right? Because when you're alone with your thoughts, that's a dangerous place oh, to be. It's the worst place to be. Yeah. So you start getting into these some of these church groups and mm-hmm. and social gatherings, and could you feel yourself just? Oh, reinvigorated and coming I, back to life and the work improving and all that. Seriously, 800 pound gorilla off of my back. I've never felt like so light. And it's almost like you didn't realize how in the dark you were until you do get into that light, until you do leave that burden behind. And by leaving that behind, I was like, oh, I can finally breathe. And I could see a light because before I couldn't see the light. I really couldn't. Um, I thought um, after the divorce, I was like, I'm going to be single the rest of my life and I'm just going to live a lonely, sad life. Like I was just like, all right, that's what I'm signing up for because this is, you know, maybe this whole marriage thing just isn't, you know, for me. Maybe this, you know, like because, you know, you just bundle all that up right into one big old package. You're like, oh, no, actually, I, you know, I had a lot of work to do. Right. So. But it's it's just such a profound thing when you're going through it. it it's so terrible mm-hmm. you know it's such a suffocating thing and, mm-hmm. and to start unpacking that and letting yourself and, and that's that's the, the the key is letting yourself your worth happiness yes i mean you know and, and I, I i absolutely still struggle with anxiety and depression mm-hmm. and it is when you get into those ruts it's very hard to tell yourself that life can be good mm-hmm. and that you deserve a happy life. Right. You know, because when, when you're, you know, you're always in your thoughts, you've got no outside, you know, and that's what you were going through. I mean, you, you, you've got your son, but you've got, you know, you're, you're grinding out 80 hour weeks, coming home to a bad relationship and you've got no, you know, mm-hmm. where do you go except exactly. in between your ears. Exactly. And it's, so that is such a, an important thing to to start getting outside yourself mm-hmm. in in volunteering and in doing something else that taking a chance on something when you're desperate. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean it, it, when it can't get any worse. No, exactly. Right. Yeah, and it was you know just and you know, I definitely had to push through fear in those moments. I was fearful of showing up to a stranger's house and, you know, burying my soul, right? Like I I was fearful, but I knew for me I had to live I had to get out of where I was. I um I I had to have um a different opportunity in in life. And I knew in my heart of hearts that, you know, the old Kendra was there. I, I knew it. I've experienced it before. And I knew it was there. I had just buried that voice, you know, so, so deep. And then getting on the other side, I always liken it to just a light switch. Like it, someone flicked on a light switch. I'm like, oh, there's this whole other world out here. And I'll tell you what helps, you know, because it is a daily practice, right? Know. You know, a daily practice and, you know, making sure we have that, right? I do a gratitude prayer every single morning, 
every single morning because like we have to focus on the amazing things in our lives. And I start with basics, ability to walk, talk, touch, taste, smell, see, and love and hear. And I can do those things and I'm in a good place, right? Like if I can just, you know, be joyful in those things, the rest is a piece of cake. We can deal with it. Um, So it's not to say I don't have bad days, but the whole thing is I don't allow them to be days anymore. I allow my brain to move through I, um, and feel what I need to feel instead of numbing myself because I know to look for that wobble, right? I know to see when I'm starting to get out of alignment um, and to be able to, you know, now have tools to be able to move through that. But that daily practice for me, so prayer time in the morning and gratitude in the morning, that sets the whole tone for for my day. And and if I don't do those, like it, it sends me into, you know, not not good mentally healthy places. Right. And and I have gratitude written down here because I know that's a big thing for you. Um, and so I wanted to talk about it a little bit because you hear it a lot. Mm-hmm. The word is thrown out a lot, but it's so important mm-hmm. because when you get in a rut, and I know for me personally – it's not it gratitude does not come to the top of mind when you're depressed. Right. Because you're buried in all these other negative thoughts. What do I have to be grateful for? You know, wallowing in self-pity and mm-hmm. having pity parties, mm-hmm. but when you can really practice gratitude and be thankful for like you said some of the you know life basics, but just thinking about that on a daily basis or instituting those thoughts immediately when you start feeling bad helps you helps those days become moments mm-hmm. correct because it's when you blow everything out we can we've been through worse absolutely we can get through whatever we're going through now mm-hmm. but it is not it's so much easier said than done until you can start practicing that Mm -hmm. so gratitude is it is a it's a real thing and it's extremely important let's talk about reset when did it come to your mind and how did you take the first steps and because now it's just this awesome thing that um, is just gaining momentum so i want to we want everybody to hear about it thank you yeah um it was really placed in my heart during my prayer time you know it was nudges of god saying like it's time to tell your story. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, I'm not doing this. Like I sat on it, you know, for, for several weeks. I was like, I, I don't feel comfortable doing this back to the negative. Like, who am I to talk about this? I'm not qualified. I'm not a certified coach. I'm not like all the things, uh, all that negative. Cause that's just where my brain naturally electric goes. And luckily I have a coach and I've had a mindset coach for five years and he's amazing. And so I'm sharing, you know, my thoughts and feelings. And he's like, Kendra, that's BS. He's like, you don't need a piece of paper to say, like, you know how to do this because you yourself have done the hard work. You've gotten yourself on the other side. He's like, you don't need proof, right? Like a piece of paper to say that you are qualified to do that. You're more than qualified. And so, you know, going through that, he really was the one that encouraged me. He's just like, yeah, if you're feeling nudges, then you really need to, you know, pay attention to that. And so I said, all right, I'm freaking doing this. <laughs> and so I wrote the business plan. I um, I talked to several different people in like little mini focus groups on asking for needs and wants and challenges that they're hearing and where do they go for sources, you know, for, for mindset. 
And it was really interesting because I've been doing this kind of work, you know, for the last five years, very, very heavily intense. Um, I mean, I've done many other things the past 10 years, but the most intense in the last five, a lot of people are like, what's this mindset thing you're talking about? Like it was, and it's one of those things I've been doing it that I'm like, oh, I forget, I forget what it was like for me five years ago to not know what these things were. Right. Um, and to, you know, start just really explaining like how our brains are hardwired, that we want to go in fight or flight mode and our brains will always go to that natural rut and that we need to create new ruts and new patterns in our brain. And just all of that, um, just learning, you know, those those concepts. And so from that, we just started these, you know, conversations and we're like, all right, let's do a couple of events. And um, I just adore, you know, Carly Schultz, one of my dear friends at U.S. Bank, uh, happened to, not happened to, it was a God thing, happened to be interviewing me for Women of Influence. And um, in our interview, normal conversation, you know, I shared a little about, of you know, my overcoming story. And we're walking out and I just tell her, I'm like, hey, I'm going to launch this reset thing and this is what it is and what it's about. And she's like, oh, that is awesome. I love it. Tell me more and how we at U.S. Bank could be evolved. And no joke, I was like, oh, that's really nice. You know, that's really sweet, Carly. It's, you know, nice that you, you know, you said that. And I almost, so she's like, you know, before you launch it, you know, let us know, let us know what you need, you know, whatever. And so it was a week and a half before the website launched and I almost didn't email her because it's like, she's just being nice. You know, like why? I don't want to bother her. I don't want to bother her, you know. Um, And so I emailed her and sure enough, she's like, Put us on your website. We want to be a premier sponsor. Not only that, we want the first right of refusal for anything you do for the next two years. And here I am like, oh, my gosh, this is a brand new business plan. It was just an idea concept. I was throwing out, you know, the website in a week and a half. And the fact that she believed in my vision that I shared with her, you know, long term, like that was that's all we need in our lives is that one person that believes in what we're doing, right? That one person that says, I hear you, I see you, and I also want to support you was massive. That was massive. And just the um, outpouring of love that I've received and just the reset community and the stories that are coming and conversations that are happening are overwhelming. And it just gives me more fuel every single day I have these conversations. So reset your story, reset your mind, reset your relationships. That's a mantra. Mm-hmm. Move from fear and anxiety to joy and gratitude. So true. All of that yes. is so true. And I went to uh, the event in uh, January and it was amazing. I mean, 200, I mean, I don't even know mm-hmm. how many people, yeah. 200 plus people, great speakers, music, you couldn't help but smile and be involved. And uh, what, what do you say? This is not a sit and get. I mean, Correct. Like, you, know, you are involved as a uh, spectator. Um, but the most important thing is you telling your story, getting up there, you know, you, you know in tears, talking about the struggle. And that's what people need to see. Mm-hmm. People see people that didn't know you then, you know, that, that say, man, you were just got it all together. <laughs> and you've got, you know, your, your hands in a million things to let them know that it wasn't always like that Mm-mm. and that you can come out of anything. Mm-hmm. That was my big takeaway is just 
the storytelling, you know, just be, you know, for, so all these business leaders are sitting in this room and to know that it's a safe place, to know that it's okay to cry, it's okay to talk about, you know, and we did exercises. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working with some people at the table and, you know, that I met 20 minutes ago mm-hmm. and now we're working through life stuff. Yeah. So it, it's very empowering and you can see why everybody is so jazzed about it and you know you did it so uh, kudos to you and uh, it's sucks that all this uh, you know external stuff is happening but um no i mean it's gonna you could tell people are just eating it up and and the speakers that you've chose very uh, methodically because they get the room going yes. you know and it's very diverse and mm-hmm. uh but again it comes down to struggle is okay yes. it's okay to go through stuff you just have to change your mindset right and that and that does become you know even though there's clinical stuff with depression and stuff mm-hmm. at some point once yeah. you're armed with the skills and you've got you've got that that's where there is a, a willpower conversation and a mindset you've got to just take the step and, and shift mm-hmm. and shift everything. So yeah, awesome. Uh, Thank you so much. That's yeah. so sweet. I I always love hearing people's experiences and oh, yeah. and you're right. I mean, we are super intentional about every single detail in that experience. Um, it needs to be a safe environment. People need to be heard and, and seen and know they're not alone. Um, and the fact that we are able to go deep so quickly is just so impressive. Like, um, and that you know you get to know your table mates and going through different conversations. And like I'd said, you know, it's not a set and get because we want people to be able to walk away with these tools and exercises that they can, you know, use. I mean, I just got an email from someone three weeks ago that attended in January, and she said she's still using what she learned. And it was the sweetest, you know, email. She's like, you are going to set so many people free. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I'm in tears reading her email. I'm like, oh, and I sent her a note. I was like, thank you so much because you know i need i still you know still have doubts about it sure. you know like i don't know i don't know what i'm doing and, and those um, are the little things and that those ke- little emails keep them, yes keep your you know 2020 to 22 plan in place yes just some feedback like that yes that's so yeah that's huge so you and i were both involved in a uh mental health panel you 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 were in april and i did one in may but your mind your business yes it was so good yeah so in and it was talking about i just recently had a guest on talking about mental health in business Mm -hmm. and mental health in the workplace Uh, what was your big takeaway from that experience Gosh, yeah, it was so good. And I'm so glad the Metropolitan Club is doing that. It's such an important thing. And, you know, for me, I feel like the C-suite has the luxury of those types of conversations, but they're not given to the employees. And um, so for for me, I, I think it's, you know, understanding that we need to be having these conversations, even as a leader, and you're fearful of the conversation. Um, just because you're afraid to have the conversation doesn't mean you don't have it. Right. It's the same thing in your own relationships at home. Just because you're afraid to have the conversation doesn't mean we just skip over it. Right. Um, that we've got to start having these conversations and exactly, you know, why you do this podcast. Right. We have to have these conversations to destigmatize, you know, mental health and um, that others are also experiencing things. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had, especially over the last four months 
with people that do not feel valued in their work, do not feel heard in their work, um, are very overwhelmed and burn out, but they don't feel like they can share, you know, to upper management how they're feeling, um, feeling overwhelmed because they're afraid they're, of they're going to get fired right. or they're afraid, you know, um, that Judgment if they share any kind of quote unquote weakness, mm-hmm. which is complete BS, um, it's like, no, like we're human beings having a human experience and life is not easy especially what we've been handed with and it's been like a double punch right and um, we need a safe place to go have these conversations and so if a leader isn't uh, feeling comfortable about leading these conversations, then bring someone in, bring in the center of hope, bring in, you know, Trevor, bring in, like, there's so many amazing coaches, you know, out there t- that could facilitate conversations. So as a leader, your job is to just set the tone. You don't have to have the answers. A leader, that's not your job. Your job is not to have the answers. It's your, you know, job to set the tone. And I love, like, you know, Greg at Tier 1, where oh. he's, you know, setting the tone for that. And, you know, his partnership with Lindner Center of Hope of Start the Conversation um, things that they're doing inside of businesses, we need more of that. Um, and so we really need le- leaders to step up and not be afraid to have those conversations. And at the end of the day, it actually, employees will be happier and more, you know, um, ecstatic about coming to work and wanting to be a part of the environment, knowing that, you know, they're loved on in that way. Right. And, and hearing, you know, you know, Greg's story, but, you know, a couple others that in it, a lot of it starts with a survey mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of, okay, do you have an interest in mental health? Do you have experienced anybody in your immediate family or close circle network of friends? And it's every time you hear somebody talk about that exercise, the numbers are huge. Yes, they are. With participation and experience. So people want to talk about this, yes. you know, and you're with your coworkers just as much as if not more as as much as your family. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It, it is a we're human beings, and wouldn't it be great to have a commute to work that is that you you're jazzed about instead of dreading, right? And it's just a matter of fostering normal conversation about your stuff mm-hmm. and, and be able to talk about it and. Yeah. So I, I, it's, I have such a passion and love for business and it would be great and it's happening. It's, it's going to be a a slow go, Yes. but for that to be on top of mind of most businesses, uh, to talk about that, it's okay to talk about your struggle and it's not a, Ooh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting next to somebody who's nuts. Right. It's just not that kind of thing. And I, and I think we're going to get smacked in the face coming out of this COVID thing. Oh, very with mental much. Health. It, it's going to, it's global. Yes. And it's going to be, uh, so I think it's, it's becoming to a point or we'll get to a point where if people don't buy in, if company, they're going to miss the boat mm-hmm. Yeah, and coming to getting out of the old school mentality that you don't talk about that kind of stuff. Right. Right. So for you going in, you know, uh, and talking and presenting about, you know, to a company about their digital mm-hmm. strategy. Mm-hmm. Have you found yourself wanting to like seeing culture mm-hmm. issues? And now does that side of you come out or do you stay in your lane? And because you've got the, you've got yeah. the experience to talk about mm-hmm. 
both. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really fun. Um, someone had asked me that question, like, wait a minute, how do you go from marketing to mindset? Like, how do you? And I was like, it's human behavior, period. It's human behavior. Marketing is all about reinforcing human behavior, the act you want someone to take. And mindset is all about human behavior. And so uh, I love this question because I had an organization in Louisville reach out and um, they were dealing with some business development issues. And they're like, you know, we're, you know, our team's struggling, you know, whatever. And I was actually able to put my mindset hat on. And I was like, actually, I think you have more of a limiting beliefs problem than a actual business development because in talking there was sales reluctancy there there was you know the self-doubt he said that his team just keeps elevating to their salary and then that's it and I was like that's an abundance conversation right so it's a growth mindset versus a scarcity mindset and so where we are having this you know great conversation about it he goes, this is not at all what I was thinking we were going to be talking about. And I said, you need to address these mindset concerns to elevate the team. Then you can actually get into more of the tactical things that need to happen from a business development standpoint. And and I can say that because I've been in business development my whole career, so I can spot it a mile away. I can spot it a mile away when a team isn't doing the work they're supposed to do or they only just keep a ceiling on they keep achieving a certain level and they're and they don't ever grow past it because they don't think they're capable right and and so we had this beautiful conversation and I actually just connected him with one of our you know coaches it's like I know exactly who you need to talk to you know about this and connected them they've done some sessions together and it's just been great so I told him I was like we can come back around and we can talk about you know digital and how we gonna but I was like you you, we gotta address this first um, because it's the right thing to do and um, so he was very happy. He's like, he goes, I just never even thought, he just never even thought, like that thought didn't even come to his mind. He's just like, I just know I have a business development problem and I just need to, you know, fix it by adding digital. I'm like, no, like actually we need to dig a little bit deeper to really understand why they keep hitting that ceiling that they've put on themselves. Right. And it that's great that you were able to be brave enough to to step outside because i mean it is two totally you know it's two different hats yeah. when you look at it on paper on paper but when you know it all it does it all mm-hmm. melts together and uh, people are very linear in their thinking especially mm-hmm. when they're running a business they see a hole and they want to plug it up and fix it right but it all comes down to human behavior mm-hmm. i forget what i was i was watching no oh, i was watching a, a a great uh, Netflix special on this hospital in Manhattan. It's called Lenox Hill. It was fabulous. But this neurosurgeon is, you know, he started this, you know, neuropsych uh, department of this hospital. Now it's, you know, one of the best in the world. And he's, you know, he's in a surgery and he said, you know, I'm you know, the best at what I do. I'm saving lives I'm doing, you know, I'm working on the brain and the spine. He's like, but the hardest part of my job is working with other people, Mm -hmm. the behaviors of other people. So no matter what you're doing, you could be, it doesn't matter. It all comes back to how we interact with each other. Right. Agreed. A hundred percent. Yeah. So it's just so fun to have those conversations and, and even, you know, business owners, um, there was one, one business owner I was talking with. And she too struggling with business development, and and it was interesting because she had put that role on responsibility on her herself, 
And I'm like, Don, you know, you're talking about you you sell, you know, these products and services, but you don't sell this other. I said, why wouldn't you do the whole thing? She's like, well, I'm just not comfortable in this, you know, other area. And I'm like, that's not your job. Your team's the one that needs to be comfortable with it. I said, do you trust your team? And like, so we were able to have this whole conversation about, you know, about that. And so basically, I'm kind of calling her out on like, hey, why wouldn't you? I said, if you truly believe in your products and services answer a problem that a client has, then you should be selling the whole thing, right? Like you should be talking about all the capabilities instead of withholding some different, you know, areas. And so with this great conversation, you know, about it, and it was just her own limiting belief that she didn't even realize that she was doing. So she sent me a note three weeks later. She goes, I just cannot even believe like this is happening. She said, we have sold six deals and they were double what we normally do because I didn't get worried about not truly understanding the other pieces and trusting my team. I was like, what? Like that was the coolest thing. Right, you know? yeah. And it was just from a brief conversation, you know, that that we had had. And, um, and this stuff happens every day. Oh, yeah. Every day we're sabotaging ourselves every day. And so we just need to identify where those limiting beliefs are and what kind of keeps tripping us up, you know, to be able to to move through it. And so, yeah, anytime I get to talk about mindset or reset, I just light up like a Christmas tree. That's right. I mean, I love digital. Don't get me wrong. It has served me and my family well and our clients, you know, well. And reset just was born out of just, you know, a passion, you know, to really help unlock people because I see too many people that are stuck. Yeah. And and you can just tell by attending one event or, you know, the, the phone calls and the groups that the, the energy is there, the passion's there. Um, so, and everybody's lucky to have you. So glad you uh, got to that church parking lot. Yes. You know? Can I get an amen? That's right, for sure. <laughs> yes, thank you. Okay, well, uh, good luck with uh, everything that you do in the future and, and with Reset and your agency and uh, just... You help people outside of both of those things. Yes, like on a daily basis. Absolutely. Just, just I mean, just so you know that. I mean, just you showing up helps people with the smile and the passion and uh, helping people get through rough times. So bless you and continue the march. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I want to thank everyone that makes this show possible. Production by Gwen Sound. Artwork by Neltner Smallbatch and photography by John Willis and Lindsay Steinhauser. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review. Visit our website for more information at stigmatizedpodcast.com.